Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We want to hear about your ministry or a ministry you love. Text the word ACTION to 484848 and a producer will contact you for your idea. Stories have passed through all of history. Stories are memorable and impactful. They teach lessons, share love and inspire, and most importantly, help pass along the gospel given to us in the Bible. Hear how the age-old art of storytelling is used to share the story of the gospel and is transforming lives all around the globe on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute. John was a committed businessman. No time for vacations, no slowing down. But one day, someone suggested that he needed a hobby. And that's exactly what our guest did. John Walsh took up storytelling. But that grew into something known as Bible telling. He's written a book. He teaches seminars, produced story videos, and traveled the world sharing not only his love for Bible telling, but his love for the gospel. John, it's so good to have you here with us today. Thank you, Rachel. It's good to be with you. Well, let's start by talking about the encounter you had pointing you towards finding a hobby. How, how did storytelling become a thing that you chose? Well, I didn't have a hobby, as you mentioned, didn't go on vacation. My wife and I just loved to work, and we still love to work. But it became obvious that I needed something. You know, when we got home from work, she had her gardening to do, but uh, I had an in-home office that I could just continue on. And and one day we went to a program where there was a professional, a full-time professional storyteller. And we were sitting there and we were listening to the storyteller and I was going to turn to my wife and say, you know, I could do that. (laughs) But before I could get the words out, she said, you could do that. (laughs) And so we talked to the storyteller afterwards and heard all about what was involved and getting involved with it. And and, uh, so that's where it started. I went to the local guild that was not too far away and uh, started going to conferences and workshops and uh, festivals and all kinds of stuff and kind of grew in that field. What makes a good storyteller? Well, the thing is, Everybody tells stories. It is how we communicate. Uh, You've been telling stories all day today, uh, and all of your listeners have been telling stories, what they did yesterday, what they're going to do tomorrow, their husband, their their wife, their children, their parents, uh, you know, talking about school. Just all the time, people are telling stories. It's how we communicate. So it's, it's not a it's not a question of how do we become a storyteller. It's how can we become better at it. That's actually the basis of the book I wrote, The Art of Storytelling, is how to take some simple concepts of tweaking your stories a little bit here and a little bit there, and all of a sudden you're known to be a storyteller. And mm-hmm. the truth matter is you were one all along. But I might mention it's worth taking the time because that will help you in your profession. It'll help you in your business. It'll help you in your family with your children and grandchildren. It's really worth taking the time to work on that. 
Well, the Bible is full of stories, and uh, I wonder actually, how— Actually, Rachel, actually, Rachel, it is 75% stories. Okay, so very full of stories. Um, I'm wondering how your love of storytelling and your newfound hobby translated into um, this thing you call Bible telling. Well, in my book, The Art of Storytelling, I was explaining to people how to take a Bible story and to embellish it, not knowing that there was a movement out there that's a a missions movement uh, that goes across all denominations and going across all mission boards, a thing called storying. That's story with an I-N-G on the end of it. And storying was being used on the mission field around the world where you go to a village and rather than preaching or rather than uh, trying to get them to read the Scripture, you simply start by telling the stories of the Bible accurately, telling them accurately, and then getting them to tell the stories. I didn't know anything about that, and uh, some of the seminaries that started using my book were asking me about this, and so I finally went to a training in 2003 where I heard for the first time about telling stories uh, or crafting stories that were just simply told and found out there was a real power there. So that was the beginning. That was in 2003, and I immediately started working on crafting the stories of the Bible, and it has grown into a worldwide ministry. Yeah, this really turned into, um, it started as a hobby and turned into a full-time ministry for you. What was the turning point in that for you? Well, when I was going as a hobby, I was doing secular storytelling, yeah, you know, I was simply going into, uh, you know, as a hobby, I was going into schools and libraries and different places just telling folk tales and personal stories and fairy tales and just all kinds of different types of stories. But I realized that I was gaining an expertise in storytelling that the church needed, that Christians needed this and and didn't have. Even though our master was a was a storyteller, we today in the churches don't use it much. And so that's why I went to Moody Press to write the to ask if I could write the book so that I could pass this on to churches and Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and missionaries on how to develop their skill of of telling stories. So that was that was kind of how it started to you know, and once I published the book, then all of a sudden I was being invited to conferences and, and workshops and places like that. And so eventually, when Bible telling finally developed inside of me, I was easily able to get it out to the churches and the mission field. In your opinion, why is the art of storytelling so impactful? Why do stories do what they do? And why is it important for us to use the art of storytelling when we talk about the Bible? Well, the thing about telling Bible stories, we have relegated Bible stories to children. So as adults, we want the, quote, the deeper things of the Word of God, not just simple little stories. Now, that's only in this country. Now, in other countries, that's not as true, but here we do. And so consequently, people are not getting that diet of Bible stories. And so a group of us were trying to figure, well, why do, why do Christians need Bible stories? As we were researching this and talking and brainstorming, we finally came to the conclusions that 
you know, what does it do? Does it affect your doctrine, your theology, your, your Christian ethics, or you know, what does it do? And we concluded that what it does, it strengthens a person's decision-making skills to say, well, I wonder what Daniel would do in a case like this. I wonder what Joseph would do in a case like this. And so we needed to test that. So a group called the Navigators took it to a prison, a maximum security prison, where the warden says, come in here and we will let you test that out here. Mm-hmm. So we took it in, into prison and we started to work with inmates in teaching them the stories of the Bible. And the results was phenomenal. It changed their worldview. It, you know, it gave them a basis for making right decisions. Rachel, I could tell you story after story of some of the most hardened criminals being totally changed. And so what the church needs today, I mean, what we have is that we have churches that have good doctrine, and they hear good preaching, but they're making bad decisions. And I think the purpose, the reason for that is that we don't have a constant diet of the stories of, of the Bible. And as I said before, 75% of the Bible is stories. That's kind of our motivation is to get people that's in the pew to start listening and learning the stories of the Bible. You know, I think you make a really interesting point that different cultures use storytelling in different ways. And I wonder, what's the difference in how you've seen different cultures receive Bible stories? Well, as I mentioned before, in our culture, it's just not received yet. Actually, Bible telling is moving across prisons right now, and wardens are telling us it's changing the atmosphere of the prison. But in our churches, we just don't see it. I'm at a, I'm at a conference this week where uh, we have different people doing, like, devotions in, in the morning, so they ask me to tell a Bible story right before the person does a, a devotion. And, and that's what I envision, is, is, is to have the pastor, just before he speaks, to have whatever passage of Scripture that, that is being dealt with, to have a Bible story right before the sermon. What do you think it is about the prison environment that makes people more receptive to receiving? To continue on the cultures, we, we have seen Bible telling going into Asia and South America and Africa and Europe, and we see that in most of these countries uh, that, that it's more readily received. Pastors uh, see the need for it. And they see it as a way we have, like, for instance, we have a uh, we have various ministries here in the United States that work with that work with refugees. They have recently tuned into Bible telling and the method, and so we've been training them to tell Bible stories. And they found that when rather than going to the refugees and working with them and preaching to them or trying to convince them of the plan of salvation, instead they've been telling them the stories. Just simply that, without any application, without any focus, just simply tell the story. And what they're telling us now is about 15 stories in, about 15 weeks, they just go back with a story a week, and about 15 stories in, suddenly the refugees are asking the missionaries questions. And they answer the question with the stories. They, they say, well, do you remember that story that we talked about thus and so? And they said immediately, 
The refugees tells them the story, and it answers their questions. We have found that the the that Bible stories are received readily across all cultural boundaries. One of the ways we have people test this is they can go into a local mall or a place or whatever and just walk up to a stranger and says, you know, I, I have this assignment and I'm, and I'm supposed to tell a Bible story to a stranger. Do you have a few minutes I can just tell you a Bible story? And generally they'll say, oh, sure, go ahead. And they'll tell the story and the person will stand there and listen to it. And sometimes either a second person will walk up and start listening as well. And the most normal response at the end of the story is, do you have another one? Mm. Now, if you'd walk up to that same person and say, may I tell you a Bible story? And they say yes, and they open up their Bible and start reading it to them, uh, they'll real quick try to get away. So the opening up the Bible to a stranger is kind of offensive, but simply telling the story is just readily received. So this is, you know, this is a cultural thing, and that's true around the world. Do you find that there's like a progression of Bible stories that are good to tell, like in a certain order or like a set repertoire that you want to like be able to start with um, when you start telling Bible stories to a, like a certain group of people, be it a group of refugees or, um, you know, if you're traveling around the world or whatnot? When churches are different, different ministries start using Bible stories as a way to reach out into their community or to refugees or, or to inmates, they usually start with what we call the overview stories. What we have done, we have identified the 10 overview stories that if you know these stories, you kind of get the overview of the Bible. We've added 10 more to make 20 overview stories and then 10 more to make 30 and 10 more to make 40. And this is where most people start, is they start with those stories. And that way you're in the structure of the chronological order. So when you start teaching people this this set group of stories for them to tell, is it enough for someone to just be able to retell the story, to be able to tell the story, or do they have to be able to also like apply the, like, the principles of the story, um, be ready for questions? How do you train people to go out there and do this? Well, actually, no, you don't have to be able to explain the story or to give an application. That's the whole beauty of it is the fact you just simply tell the story. If any question is going to be asked, uh, you, you, know, you would ask them the question, what was your favorite part of the story? And we have not found that people ask a lot of questions. If you simply tell them the story, sometimes I will say, now, I'm going to tell you a story and when I'm done, I'm just going to ask you one question. What's your favorite part of the story? Well, everyone has a favorite part. I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's not very deep. And, uh, and so they'll simply say what their favorite part of the story was, and then, and then I'll say why. And they just tell me why. Well, that shows me where the Spirit of God has touched their heart. Because that part of the story got through. That's just about how it goes. You don't have to be a Bible scholar or know all the answers or, or be able to apply the thing. Just simply tell the story. And if people do ask a question, you say, well, you know, I'm just a storyteller. I, I don't know the answer to that question. But, you know, I have a pastor. If you want to go talk to him, <laughs> you, can, you can do that. <laughs> well, what's the best way for someone to start 
adopting these stories into their personal vocabulary so that they can easily tell them back to other people um, as they encounter people along the way? Well, we have several tools, but in addition to the tools, there is a key concept. The tools that we have on our website, BibleTelling.org, there is a button that is called Downloads, and they can download free all the stories of the Bible and simply have it, and they can either print it out or they can put it into their Kindle or whatever, uh, or they can go on to Amazon.com and buy a copy of it. Getting the stories like that and simply start reading them is one way. The second tool we have is uh, called the Story of the Day. And on that same website, they can actually sign up to get the Story of the Day, and I will personally tell them the story every mm-hmm. day, Monday through Friday, <laughs> and they can go through the whole Bible in a year, one story at a time. And that gives them a daily diet. I've had homeschoolers tell me that they have used this as a way of their devotion, as they will listen to the story. In that, I also give story insights, the kind of the backstory, and so they'll listen to the story and then sometimes listen to the backstory and then maybe look it up in the Bible and simply read it. And the more they familiarize themselves with the stories, the more they will be able to recall them. But the concept, the key concept for being able to use these stories is that a person needs to increase their tolerance for telling stories poorly. There's so many people that if they, you know, that if they can't do it well, they're not going to do it mm-hmm. at all. And the key is you need to be able to tell a Bible story when it comes to mind and to tell it as much as you can. It doesn't matter if, it's a, if you're a professional or you've learned to do it just right. Uh, and oftentimes, I'll have a story come to mind that I haven't looked at in a couple of years, and I'll just tell it, tell it the best I can. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit of God can still use it because it's His Word. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot right now and ask you if you have a short story you can share with us. Sure. Sure, I can tell a story. Abraham was sitting at the door of his tent one summer day, and he looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. And he realized that one of them was the Lord. He rushed over and said, Sirs, please, come over here and sit underneath this tree. I'll provide you some water so you can wash your feet, and then you rest while I prepare a meal. And once you've eaten, then you can go on your way. The men said, Yes, we'll stay. Abraham then rushed into the tent and told Sarah to make some bread. He then went out in the field and told his servants to get the choice calf and make it ready for, for a meal. When all the food was ready, Abraham brought the food to the men underneath the tree and served it to them and then stood off to the side and watched them eat. The Lord looked up at Abraham and said, where is Sarah, your wife? Oh, she, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I'll come back in about a year. When I come back, she will have given birth to a baby boy. Well, Sarah was listening to all of this from inside the tent. And when she heard that she, at 90 years old, was going to give birth to a baby, she laughed inside of herself and said, that's impossible. I'm too old to have a baby. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will come back in a year, and she will have given birth to a child. Well, Sarah come rushing out of the tent and says, Lord, Lord, I didn't laugh. The Lord said, yes, but you did laugh. Well, a year later, Sarah gave birth to a baby boy when Abraham was 100 years old. She called his name Isaac, which means laughter. Because she said, the Lord has put laughter into my heart. And everyone who hears about me giving birth to a child will laugh with me. Who could have known that at my age, I could feed a baby? And so, the Lord fulfilled his promise in giving Abraham and Sarah a son. What do you say to somebody who hears you tell that story and says, I can't do that? (laughs) (laughs) For a person that gets serious about wanting to develop the skill of of telling Bible stories, we have an annual conference. It's the annual Christian Storytelling Conference. And when they come to that, they will have all kinds of workshops that will help people to tell Bible stories, to use Bible stories in many different ways. And, and so it's, that's kind of a, that's for those who want to at least explore and to see if this is something that they should be using. Where would you like to see this ministry of Bible telling go from here? Where, what are your dreams for it? I have envisioned pastors using storytelling to have a storyteller tell the story text right before the sermon. I tell pastors, if they want to experiment with this and see the effect, start the service off somewhere near the beginning and read the story from the Bible and listen to the audience and hear the rustle, rustle, rustle of the audience. And then sing a few songs and then come back later on in the service and have someone stand up and just simply tell that very same story. And again, listen to the audience. And it'll be like they say you can hear a pin drop. Everybody is listening intently. That's because a story that's simply told flows off the tongue right into the ear. I'd also love to have someone that will oversee the Bible-telling radio programs. Uh, We have developed that, but we don't have anyone who has taken on the ministry of spreading this to to other radio stations across the country. We also hope to see churches that start using Bible stories to reach out to the international community. Uh, Churches don't realize how many internationals are just right there next to them. And with the right tools, they can use Bible stories to teach them English and to reach into those communities. So those are some of my dreams. What is it that continues to drive you to do this work? Well, the thing that really drives me is seeing the power of a Bible story simply told. I just never get over that. The power is in the story, not the storyteller. We had a lady who was, uh, who was not a believer. By the way, she was a storyteller, but she was going on one of our Bible-telling Israel trips, and she was going through the stories and becoming familiar with them, and a school nearby asked her if she could tell some Bible stories. Well, she knew she was a non-believer, but uh, she'd also heard me that the power's in the story. Never really believed that, but, but she had heard me say it. 
But she said, oh, yeah, I, you know, I can do that. And she told me later that when she went into school and she started telling those Bible stories, as a non-believer, she was amazed and realized the power was not in her, but was in the story. And that's something a person has to experience. And once you experience it, you just want more of it. You just want to, you just want to experience that again and again. Uh, just this morning, I, I was in a situation where I could tell a Bible story, and just to see the impact that the story had on the people that were listening to it, and that just keeps me going. It's so great to hear you share the impact of stories, and we are even more grateful that you were willing to share the impact of the ministry that you are a part of. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. In the New Testament, we read stories given by the creator of stories. When Jesus was questioned or even harassed, he would often tell a story to teach the lesson he wanted to convey. People listened. They asked further questions and even understood the point that Jesus wanted them to grasp. God's Word, the Bible, teaches us through narrative and 75% of its content. Sounds like a pretty good example to follow. I'm going to prepare myself to better share these life-giving stories. How about you? That's Action in Ministry. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.